0: This is Peter Rosenberger, and one of the reasons I wrote my new book, A Minute for Caregivers, is because I remember the sinking, despairing feeling of struggling as a caregiver. No one knew what to say to me. I didn't understand, and others didn't understand me. For decades, I foraged along and tried to find my path through this medical nightmare that Gracie and I have endured for nearly 40 years. And I've learned to speak the language of caregivers. I speak fluent caregiver. No pastor, no counselor, no medical provider, no friend should ever throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to say to that caregiver. Because I do. Give them a copy of this book. is called A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day Feels Like Monday. They're easy to read, one-minute chapters that speak directly to the heart of a caregiver and you can get them wherever books are sold. A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day Feels Like feels like Monday. Friends don't let friends care give alone. Welcome back to the show for caregivers, about caregivers, hosted by a caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberg. I'm glad you're with us. Have John, you're kind of in a country kind of mind here today, aren't you? A little bit, man. I don't know why. Is that Arkansas coming out I of you? I think so, man. Well, you can <laughs> take good. a man out of Arkansas, but you can... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, one of the things, the, the axioms that I have is that I think we ought to have more caregivers involved in the decision-making of our government because there's way too few of them, and and yet we're always really busy doing so. Well, guess what? I've got a guest on the show today who is doing just that, and his story intrigued me. He's running for my district. I mean, uh, he will be my state representative. Well, that's just and, that's just dirty pool. I well, mean, getting, getting Peter's vote. <laughs> well, I understand. Getting my vote. But this is Joseph Williams. He's a lawyer, and uh, he is a, a father, two beautiful young children, beautiful wife, and he's a caregiver. And and uh, the thing that struck me is, that, well, they have two two children, and his wife has a disability. Well, I, I've kind of, you know, yeah, I, I get I got yeah. two children and my wife has a disability. So I thought, OK, I'm intrigued by this guy. And I looked at it. It was just an amazing story. The more I learned about it, the more I said, i got to have this guy on my show. I want to talk to him. I want to see what, what, what he's learned through this process and what he's bringing to the state house that other people can't. And I know this is local Tennessee politics here, but for those caregivers listening around the country... Um, and all the way to Alaska and, and Seattle and, and Jacksonville, Florida, all of you folks listen across the Truth Network and everything else that we've got going, in Salem Radio Network. I just want you to meet this guy and listen to his story, because I think he has some valuable things as a caregiver to, to impart. So, Joseph, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me on today.
0: Well, happy Father's Day.
1: Happy Father's Day to you as well. Yep. I've been... Uh, Wrestling with my two young boys while watching the U.S. Open this afternoon. Taking a day off from the campaign trail, and my wife's making a, a new cake in the kitchen. So it's, it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Nashville for me.
0: Well, now, how old are your children? You got little children,
1: so, correct? So Jack is three and a half, and Henry just turned one. And Henry just started walking around, so he's getting into everything.
0: Oh my goodness! Well, I mean, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, just you'll, you'll turn around and they'll be thirty. I promise you. People yep. used to tell that to me, and I didn't believe them. But I'm just like now. I look at these grown men in my life, and I'm thinking, where did my babies go?
1: Right. Yes, sir. Well, you. No, I understand completely.
0: You and I have I have a a similar similar journey. We both fell in love with beautiful women who had a disability, and right. and your wife. Tell us a little bit about her story.
1: Yes, sir. So I met her at Vanderbilt. It's like a, I like to say that. Um, she was way too cool for me in undergrad, uh, and, and I couldn't convince her to date me then. And then she went and lived and served in South Africa for a year, uh, serving at an orphanage there in rural South Africa. And then she came back and went to Vanderbilt Law School, and we fell in love when I was doing a program called Teach for America here in Nashville. So I was teaching U.S. history and civics and uh and it was at that point in time in which we began dating we had known each other for five or six years at that point in time but like i said she was way too cool for me uh but you know years later i eventually wore her down and you know we we started dating and we were engaged (laughs) six months after that and married six months later after that so in fact in two days we're going to celebrate our seventh anniversary
0: so well congratulations on that you know i I used to tell people about gracie uh they asked how we met. I said, what well, a past life experience. She was Lady Godiva and I was Mister Ed." <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh. But you guys are both lawyers.
1: Correct. Yes, sir. We, I, in fact, we. How do does we that
0: work them. out, by the way? How does that work? Out?
1: <laughs> you know, uh, very logical, reasoned, intense arguments. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but we balance each other out really really well. Um, and we actually love working together. We've, we worked at the same public interest law firm together for a few years. And then uh, we decided last summer, about exactly a year ago, to start our own law firm, uh, which primarily serves nonprofits and public advocacy organizations. Uh, and so we do a lot of work together, and we absolutely love working together. It gives us the option to spend more time together as a family uh, to spend time with our kids. We love taking our kids to meetings and on work trips uh, to Washington, D.C., and all sorts of things. So we absolutely love working together. She, her specialty is international human rights law. My specialty is First Amendment constitutional law and kind of government affairs. Uh, and we complement each other well. I do a little bit of international human rights to help her. She does a little bit of First Amendment law to help me. Uh, we we, lo- we kind of come as a, as a pair you know, as presented to clients. And we love working together. And then, of course, you know, as if having a newborn and starting our own law firm wasn't enough, we decided to launch a political campaign as well, running for Tennessee House District 56 here in the heart of Nashville. And, and, you know, she is by far my best partner in that. We campaign together. We load the boys in the wagon. We go knocking on doors and meeting voters all around the district. And uh, we have a blast. We, we love doing everything together as both a married couple and as a family with our two boys as well.
0: Well, now, and the, and the thing that a lot of people just, when you, when, they, when you list off these accomplishments and all these activities you can do, people are stunned to find out that your wife is in a wheelchair. She had a terrible wreck when uh, she was involved in a, in a car wreck when she was a little girl. My wife was involved in a car wreck at 17, but your wife was involved when she was like eight years old, wasn't she? That is exactly And, and yeah. left her uh, paralyzed? Correct. Yes, yeah. sir. And so, wow. so you're dealing with, and, and my wife ended up losing both of her legs, but it's one of those things that you got, we got these, and I, I get the feeling that our wives are very similar. My wife is a force of nature.
1: Yeah, um, that, that is the same phrase I use to describe Palmer often.
0: <laughs> well, Gracie, Gracie learned how to snow ski as a double amputee. Wow. And, that's and, amazing. and and so and I of course then I started having to take some kind of medication watching her do it. Because there is right. nothing more terrifying than watching your wife on two metal legs going down slopes, you know, but she did it. Oh. And it sounds like no, Palmer I, is this is the same way, just nothing holds her back.
1: Yeah, the story I love to tell people is that when she first signed up to go work at this orphanage in South Africa and she signed up, you know, for for months to go serve there. And it's in rural South Africa. It's in the middle of nowhere. You know, there are no paved roads. It's, you know, yeah, the
0: ADA is, is not real big in South Africa.
1: Correct. <laughs> right. Especially, especially in rural South Africa. And so, But she didn't even tell them she had a spinal cord injury. And so she sh- they show up at the airport to pick her up, and they're stunned. And they don't think it's going to work. And she said, you know, I'll be fine. The, the Lord will provide. Uh, and she loves telling stories about how she went it's a big part of her testimony. She went, you know, expecting to serve the orphans, and she did, of course, because she's amazing. But, you know, the orphans, in many ways, God used them to serve her as well, Uh, pushing her up hills and sand and, um, you know, teaching her a lot about God. And I I
0: bet they loved doing it, too, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Every kid always does. Well, and I I take – Gracie's going to Africa with us uh, in Ghana this summer uh, to continue our work with our prosthetic limb ministry, and – And uh, they when she shows up, it's just it's uh, it's a huge moment for so many people. They just watch it. They they get so excited because here's this is something different. Here's a beautiful, successful American woman who deals with severe disabilities and we're living life large. And that sends such a message to people with disabilities in, in developing countries and so forth to say, "Wait a minute we these people aren 't cursed this is not a this is not a a, a sign of god 's displeasure. then this is an opportunity for us, and the embracing of the, of the cultures is wonderful. so I know that palmer was was such a hit over there well tell me amen, this
1: amen to that. that 's right
0: when you and you grew up and part of your story is that you also had a special needs sister who had developmental disabilities. And, right. and so this is – disabilities of all kinds have been a part of your life pretty much your whole life.
1: Yeah, as long as I can remember. You know, from the time I was three or four, my uh, my younger sister Mary was born um, and when I was almost three years old. So it's it's all I've ever known. And, and it hasn't been until I've gotten older that I realized the extent of being the older brother of a younger sister in a family. You know, my younger sister has – um, some developmental disabilities, uh, some behavioral impulsive issues, and so those special needs and how our family operated, uh, you know, was very different and distinct, which has fundamentally shaped who I am. You know, one of, one of my favorite quotes I learned in an anthropology class at Vanderbilt was that the Amish have a saying that uh, individuals with special needs are God's gift to us to teach us how to love better. And and that resonated with me and gave words to a sentiment, a feeling I hadn't been able to communicate effectively, because, and you know this, and this is a big part of your ministry and your testimony, is it's easy to think, oh, they're teaching, you know, my younger sister Mary was teaching me how to love better because, you know, I was loving her and her special needs, but that's almost not it at all. What the Amish meant, and what I have found to be true, is Mary with her special needs, views the world in a fundamentally different way with a childlike faith, loving people just because of who they are, not because of any accomplishments or anything on their resume or how much money they make, or it's all about how you make someone feel. And and as I'm running for office, I talk about that often, you know, on the stump and when I'm meeting people at the doors is that has fundamentally reshaped how I view the world and how I view people. I think in a better way, and I think in a way that we need more of that in politics today.
0: Well now, as you take all these things, you've, you've grown up in this environment, and now you've seen this strong, capable woman who's your, your wife, your partner, the mother of your children, and you see the the drive that she has, and yet you still have to be You're still inserted into this situation as a caregiver. There are, th- there are certain things I mean, you just can't help it when you're involved with someone in a relationship who has an impairment of any kind. That's what you do. As you go into the state house and and pursue a, a public service in the in, in that arena, what are some of the things that you feel like have uniquely shaped you in that role? Now to be in that role as a I mean, caregiver,
1: think, right? Uh, a big reason I w- I want to run is because I think that you know individuals like my sister, they you know there aren't any paid lobbyists for you know people like my sister and all of her friends with various intellectual special needs right and 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 you realize that you know a lot of people view the world a certain way only from their background and so they they can't you know they don't they're incapable until they are educated and informed and persuaded and asked to come along to see the world the way someone does who has special needs like my sister, right? Or or various disabilities of all different kinds, and and I think we need more elected leaders like that. We need more people in the halls of power, crafting policy, making decisions to speak that truth.
0: Do you have those halls of power? Do you have a, a desire to serve on educational type committees and so forth with with Tennessee's education system?
1: Oh, for sure. So yeah. I'm I'm a product of Tennessee public schools. Uh, in between going to Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt Law School, I taught high school. I'm the chairman of the board of a charter school. You know, I witnessed my parents and my family navigating, you know, what was best for my sister at various stages of her life. Sometimes there was a public school system that worked. Other times there wasn't. Sometimes there was a private school, independent school that worked. And other times there wasn't. And so there needs to be people. You know, I met one. I knocked on the door of a gentleman the other day who has a son with special needs who was told by the public school system that they simply couldn't provide what he needed, and so he needed to go to a very expensive uh, independent school. And so we need policies crafted to support, you know, students like him and their families. Uh, You know, that's a missing piece right now. We need people who are willing to go into government, serve in public service, and fight hard for them.
0: Well, I think that um – special needs families will find your comments incredibly endearing because they feel so often that they are fighting this battle um, single-handedly and, and at an at extreme disadvantage. And to have someone in there in those halls of power who truly understands the challenges of a special needs family is, is I think, uh, just a tremendous gift to Tennessee. And I, I applaud you for for being willing to do this. I mean, you're putting – you and your family did not have to do this. I mean, you have a life. You have a a wonderful life that you have, and yet you feel this tug to do this in your heart. And I've been watching footage of you getting out there with your whole family, and Palmer's out there wheeling along. I mean, she she must be a real sport. Oh, yeah. Now now, –
1: She's the best. Well, yeah. You know, now I, tell her it's
0: a little hot outside today to be wheeling around. So I hope that she's taking right. it easy because when Gracie gets out of her wheelchair, I mean, she. Well, then again, I'm the one pushing her sometimes, so I'm the one. So she's like, oh, it's nice out here today. <laughs> uh, we, by the way, uh, Jeff Foxworthy and I did a bit on you might be a caregiver if a while back, and one of them was, and and I actually have footage of this. Uh, if you've ever hooked up your wife's wheelchair to your dog just to see if it would work. <laughs> you ever yeah. done that joseph <laughs> i don't think you would probably do that but i did it <laughs> hey, uh, hey listen where can people find you
1: yes you can find me uh you can go to my website wwwwilliams 4 com, and you can read more and sign up and help and I appreciate everybody's support.
0: Well, I'm going to push this out, too, because I think it's so important for caregivers to do what you're doing, and I'm so grateful that you're doing it, and I want to see you come back here and talk about things you're doing for the state of Tennessee and for families across this country, and I'm very grateful for you, Joseph.
2: You ever struggle to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies, and with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison. We also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing with Hope.
0: You've heard me talk about Standing with Hope over the years. This is the prosthetic limb ministry that Gracie envisioned after losing both of her legs. Part of that outreach is our prosthetic limb recycling program. Did you know that prosthetic limbs can be recycled? No kidding. There is a correctional facility in Arizona that helps us recycle prosthetic limbs. And this facility is run by a group out of Nashville called Core Civic. And we met them over 11 years ago. And they stepped in to help us with this recycling program of taking prostheses and you disassemble them. You take the knee, the foot, the pylon, the tube clamps, the adapters, the screws, the liners, the prosthetic socks, all these things we can reuse and inmates help us do it. Before Civic came along, I was sitting on the floor at our house or out in the garage when we lived in Nashville and I had tools everywhere, limbs everywhere (laughs) and feet, boxes of them and so forth. And I was doing all this myself and I'd make the kids help me. And it got to be too much for me. And so I was very grateful that Core Civic stepped up and said, look, we are always looking for faith-based programs that are interesting and that give inmates a sense of satisfaction. And we'd love to be a part of this. And that's what they're doing. And you can see more about that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. So please help us get the word out that we do recycle prosthetic limbs. We do arms as well, but the majority of amputations are, are lower limb. And that's where the focus of Standing with Hope is. That's where Gracie's life is with her lower limb prostheses. And she's used some of her own limbs in this outreach uh, that she's recycled. I mean, she's been an amputee for over 30 years. So you go through a lot of legs and parts and other types of materials, and you can reuse prosthetic socks and liners if they're in good shape. All of this helps give the gift that keeps on walking, and it goes to this prison in Arizona where uh, it's such an extraordinary ministry. Think about that. Inmates volunteering for this. They want to do it, and they've had uh, amazing times with it, and I've had very moving conversation with the inmates that work in this program. And you can see, again, all of that at standingwithhope.com recycle. They're putting together a big shipment right now for us to ship over. We do this pretty regularly throughout the year as inventory rises and they need it badly in Ghana. So please uh, go out to standingwithhope.com slash recycle and get the word out and help us do more. If you want to offset some of the shipping, you can always go to the giving page and be a part of what we're doing there. We're purchasing material in Ghana that they have to use that can't be recycled. We're shipping over stuff that can be and we're doing all of this to lift others up and to Point them to Christ, and that's the whole purpose of everything that we do, and that is why Gracie and I continue to be Standing with Hope.